Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Whoopi Goldberg, the comedian, the actress, and now a regular on the TV talk show, The View, co-hosted a comedy show for several years called Comic Relief, a fundraising effort that was a precursor to what we now call the Red Nose Day, a campaign for child poverty and homelessness. It was one of many organized charitable, pro charitable projects she was involved in. When asked why she donated her talents for such causes, she said, I fear waking up in the morning and finding out my life was all for nothing. We're here for a reason, and I believe a bit of the reason is to throw little torches of light out to lead the people through the dark. Whoopi Goldberg is far from a theologian, even though she did play a nun. But her comment illustrates that every human being is driven by this search for significance. She's discovered all the attention, all the wealth, all the notoriety. Everything that the world has to offer really doesn't satisfy that need. I would suspect that many of us feel that way that we want to, need to, make a difference in this world. Whether it's in our work life or our relationships with friends or in our family life with siblings, children, aging parents, spouses, we all want to wake up in the morning finding our life was for something, something positive, something good, acceptable, and perfect. And in the passage that Alan read this morning, Paul is writing to the church in Rome, to new Christians that he, in all probability, had never met. It was an appeal based on Paul's experience with new churches to live their lives to count for something, an appeal to holy living directed primarily to Gentile Christians that might be tempted to look down on their Jewish neighbors within the Christian congregation and outside of the congregation. Remember, Paul had come from a background where Jews thought of themselves as God's chosen people, which was true. But some Jews had thought of God's choice that they were chosen for privilege rather than service, which is false. Paul did not want the new Christians, the Gentiles in particular, to take on that superior attitude. Paul's appeal is to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Mark Nanos, a Jewish historian with a research focus on Paul, writes, Paul explains how Gentiles are to live faithfully as Christ followers in the midst of the Jewish communities of Rome. In disclosing how God is working through these Israelites who are bringing the message to the nations as well as those who are not, Paul therefore exhorts the non-Jewish Christ followers to change their mindset 
and their behavior to fulfill their responsibilities in this design. Rather than respond on the basis of present appearances, they are to live according to that which has been revealed, for they play an important role in the completion of God's rescue of everyone. Their responsibility is to serve the other, and they're to realize that they only play a small part, however important, in the midst of all humanity. So they must learn to live on behalf of everyone, even on behalf of those who may seem to be obstacles to their own success or unhappiness. Paul adds in verse 18, If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And where have we heard that before? Prophet Micah, chapter 6. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with God? From Leviticus and repeated by Jesus. But you shall love your neighbor as yourself. These simply but clearly outline what God expects of his followers. And they all boil down to loving and caring for others more than ourselves. To make a living sacrifice, not a ritual bloodletting sacrifice on an altar, but a living sacrifice of our own personal wishes, our own desires for the good of everyone, of the poor, the widow, the alien. A living sacrifice for crossroads, for rebuilding Southeast Michigan, the Red Cross wearing a mask in a pandemic, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We are, as the passage reads, not to look down on others, to not think of ourselves as better or smarter or more skillful or more holy, to not reject those people or that group or that church or that political party, as hard as it might be, but to spend some time and thought to discern what the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. And why is that personal sacrifice so important? Why are we called to sacrifice our personal values and wishes and desires for the good of everyone? Because Paul writes, for as one body we have many members, and not all members have the same function, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ, and individually we are members one of another. Paul's appealing to these new Roman Christians, and to us, to think of themselves humbly by comparing the church to the human body. And Paul uses the same metaphor in 1 Corinthians, uh, where he writes of the interdependence of the various parts of the body. Each member of the human body has a specialized purpose, whether it's a foot, 
hand, eye, ear, nose. Each member of the human body doesn't compete for being number one, but they cooperate for the total mutual benefit of the whole body. Although, I did hear on the men's retreat something about the digestive tract system taking dominance over the simpler individual members, but it's been so long ago I can't remember all the details. You'll have to ask Terry or Barney about that. But each member contributes to the whole body's welfare to its own ability. And likewise, each member receives the benefits that the other members provide. Working together, it all functions. If we were to lose sight of the personal sacrifice and compete for the prominence instead of cooperating, the body would cease to function effectively and all the members would suffer. Yet, no member can be separated from the whole body and survive. So if an organ is severed from the body, it will shrivel and die. Cut off and disconnected from the life of the local church, the spiritual life of most people will also shrivel and eventually cease to exist. Pastor Newland writes, the first symptom of spiritual decline is usually inconsistent attendance at worship services and other gatherings of believers. Rick Warren, pastor of Saddleback Church and the author of uh, The Purpose Driven Life writes, a Christian without a church home is like an organ without a body, a sheep without a flock or a child without a family. It's an unnatural state. To us, today, this is also very critical that we recognize the dangers of being cut off or disconnected from the life of the local church. As Pastor Cindy touched on last week, the pandemic has made it very hard to keep that connection with Zoom meetings and coffee hour and YouTube worship services and social distancing and face mask coverings. And the road ahead, in spite of serious planning and discussion, is still murky and untested as to what our attendance will be like when we can gather and worship again together. Yet this thinly veiled analogy of the members of the body that Paul is writing about is certainly the church. And in this case of his letter to the church community in Rome, it's affirming that the Christian community in Rome is diverse, made up of Jews and Gentiles, but those diverse parts need each other and need to cooperate with each other for the church to survive. And so it was with the church in Rome. It's true of the church today, including our church community here at Greenfield. The church, which has many members, each with differing gifts and able to contribute in particular different ways, as Paul writes, according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Paul lists seven gifts in these verses that Alan read. 
But when you add the other gifts that he mentions in the letters to the Ephesians and the church at Corinth, there are 19 or 20 different spiritual gifts that add gifts like prophecy and healing and working of miracles. And I would point out that Paul mentions we have gifts. We all have gifts, spiritual gifts, assigned to each of us. So everyone has a role to play in the body of the church, in the body of Christ. Let me say this again. We all have spiritual gifts. Someone who shall remain anonymous because I live with her. Someone said they have no gifts. But the text says, for as one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. But we all have gifts. Now, not everyone has the same gift. Gifts that differ is what the text says, just like different members of the body. One commentary that I researched said, but we not only have different gifts, we have different measures of the same gift. For example, some have the gift of preaching with five talents, and some the gift of preaching with one talent. Some people are so gifted in singing they ought to sing on American Idol, and some people are gifted enough to sing in the Hawaii Five-O Glee Club on the Father's Day service. They have the same gift, but different measures of the same gift. And they both, they both contribute to the whole body of the church. We need to evaluate not only where our strengths are, but to have a realistic understanding of the measure of our spiritual gifts. Because the one talent singer on Father's Day should not compare himself with a five talent singer from the American Idol, or else he'll always feel jealousy. And the five talent singer should not be comparing himself to the Hawaii Five-O Glee Club, or he'll have a condescending spirit and will never wear a Hawaiian shirt again. Now, despite what we might think of Peter Moore, no one has all the gifts. Close but not all the gifts. And we must remember that all the gifts are used to help the body, not just serve the individual who possesses the gift. And all gifts should be used humbly with dependence on God's wisdom for his choice of our gifts in order to bless the whole church, the whole church body, his church. Pastor Rick Warren again writes, God gave me the gift to preach, not for my benefit, but yours. If I don't use my gift, I cheat you. God gave you a gift, not for your benefit, but for other people. God has given different gifts to the body for building up the body. When you use your gift fully for the glory of God, you begin to light little torches along the way to show people through the darkness to the light of Jesus Christ. Sometimes, 
you and I discover ourselves in the darkness and must rely on the gifts of others to provide those little lights when we, as part of the body, receive the benefit of others. Pastor Cindy related last week that things have changed and it's harder to not return to being fearful and angry because of all the uncertainty and injustices that surround us. We all can remember just a few, few short months ago, you could go out with a large group of friends and eat at a restaurant. You could go to the stadiums and watch the Red Wings and Lions play. You could go to the movies, churches gathered in buildings on Sunday. People shook hands, hugged, gave high fives, and elbows had no bruises. The pandemic has changed many things. However, the pandemic has also proven that church is not a building, but the church body remains. The pandemic has proven that we can still talk to one another and see one another, albeit on a Zoom meeting computer screen. The pandemic has proven that pajama bottoms can be worn to a Zoom meeting without being seen. The pandemic has proven that get well cards and birthday cards and thinking of you notes can still be written and mailed and are still very important. The pandemic has provided the opportunity that based on the gifts of its members, the church body can continue to function for a Sunday service. It can be watched by the congregation in easy chairs at home on the porch with coffee in hand, on vacation up north, on a trip out west, and even in other countries. Greenfield, in the diaspora. As a member of churches or God's church body, Greenfield can continue to use its wide range of spiritual gifts to light little torches to show people through the darkness. And like Cindy's daughter's question, when is this all going to end? The road ahead is being lit with torches as we seek to build up God's community, as we continue to prepare for Peter's retirement, as we continue to search for a new pastor. We are prepared with the foundation of faith that is good and acceptable and perfect by the will of God and prepared with God's assignment to each and every one of us, gifts to be used in this time of transition for the entire church body of Greenfield and for the entire global kingdom. To light those little torches, to bring light to the darkness. Because of that, we're going to be okay. Greenfield's going to be okay. By the mercies of God, we're going to be okay. To my friends in the Glee Club, aloha. To my friends in this body of Christ, hallelujah and amen. <laughs>